Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. And something that I also want to mention before we get into today's conversation is, you know, this podcast is really about giving you tools, strategies, habits, and advice to help you achieve those big goals that you have for yourself. So one thing I want you to check out is in the show notes, I've got this goal worksheet and life assessment that I use with my coaching clients and check it out. It's going to really help you get focused and put together an action plan to get you going after those big goals in your life. And I don't need your email. You just download it there. So be sure to check that out. And now let's get into today's show. I'm super excited for our chat today. I've got a very special guest for you inside the huddle with us today and ready to help us to move the ball is Jennifer King. Jennifer is currently an assistant running backs coach with the Washington football team, making Jennifer the first African-American female assistant position coach in NFL history. Last season, Jennifer was a full-time coaching intern with Washington, where she assisted running backs coach Randy Jordan and the running back group ended up with 423 attempts for 1,697 yards and 20 rushing touchdowns. Jennifer also coached for Dartmouth College and was a coaching intern with the Carolina Panthers and also served as an assistant wide receivers coach and special teams assistant for the Arizona Hotshots of the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. Now, I could go on and on and on about her incredible bio, but we're going to get more into that in the show. So now let's hear from Jennifer herself. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you joining us today. I know you're really busy. I was so jazzed to have you here and sharing your story with us. And, you know, I love celebrating and honoring women who are doing incredible things and paving the way for others to follow. We are still in March, which is Women's Month. So the timing just couldn't be more perfect. So again, thank you for being here. Where I'd like to kick off our conversation today is talking more about how did you get into football? Not only did you do you coach, and I didn't mention yet that you've also played women's tackle football. So talk to us about how did you get into the sport? I got into the sport at, at a really young age. Like we're talking four or five years old. I started getting into football. I'm from a small town in North Carolina, so football is king on Friday nights. So we're always going to games, watching games at home, and I just fell in love with the sport. And what was it about football that made you fall in love with it? I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if it was the physicality of it. It was just the the people moving around that intrigued me at a young age. I'm not exactly sure, but I know it could hold my attention for a really long time, even as a kid. Sure. And now when you played, you were a seven-time All-American quarterback and wide receiver for the Carolina Phoenix women's tackle football team. You also played wide receiver and DB for the New York Sharks women's tackle football team and won the 2018 WFA National Championship. Talk to us about what it was like playing for those teams. It's fun. I mean, you know, anyone anyone listening that, that plays women's football you know the, the camaraderie that goes along with it so to be able to play football in general was fun and then to be able to play at such a high level made it even more fun for me and you know I love those teams and um, had opportunity to play for the DC Divas and uh, possibly the DC Prodigy so I love it you know I'm a football junkie and I love to play 
Love it. Yes, I'm a football junkie as well. I had someone, no one listening probably knows this, but long time ago in my life, I did do a national pageant once. And I shared that with a friend of mine who played college football. And he's like, oh, you're a pageant girl. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'll put those pads on any single day of the week. I'm not a pageant girl. No, that was a check the box thing in my life. And we're done with that. But I'll suit up any day. (laughs) So in my book, Move the Ball, the book is all about drawing parallels between football, American football strategies, concepts, lessons, and applying them beyond the game to be successful in life. Can you Talk to us about what are some of the lessons that you learned from football that have helped you to be successful beyond the game? I think the biggest thing is just the teamwork aspect. You know, football is so many moving parts and so many people and personalities and everyone has to come together for a common goal. So to be able to communicate with everyone on the team efficiently with so many different personalities, I think it's definitely beneficial in the coaching world just because once you're the leader of those teams with so many personalities, you have to find a way to reach each and every person. So the communication aspect has been big for me. And something else that I want to highlight too, you know, being a player, you learned about resiliency. You drop the ball, you fumble the ball, you get sacked, you get tackled, and you have to pick yourself back up and keep going. And I think as professional athletes, as competitive athletes, we're conditioned to do that. But in life, a lot of times people struggle with getting back up because they stay so fixated on the outcome of what just happened instead of letting that go and focusing on the next play. So can you share with us, how do you bounce back and how do you stay resilient? It's all about short memory. You know, that's something I always say in sports, having a short memory you can dwell on things. I guess I learned really early to always fall forward. So even when things go bad, make sure you fall forward and don't let it hold you back. And Playing quarterback for so long, obviously, you have to build that mentality. You know, mistakes are going to happen, and sometimes you may throw an interception or, or make a bad read, but you have to move on because the, the next play is coming. So just having that short-term mentality of failure has been big, and it's always on to the next thing for me. Absolutely. So talk to us about your coaching journey. How did you get into coaching? I started coaching college basketball out of college and had the opportunity to go play some basketball in Australia. When I got back, I started playing football and also coaching college basketball. I was a volunteer assistant at Greensboro College. And I just fell in love with it. You know, I was working with some guys that I'd known for a really long time. They were great coaches and they helped, I guess, just mold me and mold me into a better coach and, and kind of showed me the ropes. And we were very successful. And ultimately, I became a head coach. And during that time, I was beside the Carolina Panthers facility. Like my office was literally right beside it in Charlotte. So I ended up meeting Coach Rivera at the Women's Coaches Forum when he was with the Panthers and let him know I was next door, essentially, and what I wanted to do. In football and you know I've been coaching some football as well at lower levels middle school high school so I had experience in, in coaching football and we made a relationship essentially and I went over for two days for the rookie mini camp and I turned that into four months so that's how I got my foot in the door and it was all about you know bringing something to the table when I went there and finding a way to be valuable and just going in with that workers mentality and I went back to basketball and ultimately I got a call from coach Rick Neuheisel to come to Arizona just because he had a recommendation from people with the Panthers. So we never know when your name's being talked about in rooms. So so important to have good reputation and they put in a good recommendation for me. And I, I walked away from basketball essentially in the middle of a season to go coach football full time. And when that ended, I got back to Carolina and coach Rivera invited me back to the Panthers and went well again. I was there for, you know, four or five months and then went to Dartmouth. And when I left Dartmouth, coach had become the, the head coach here in Washington. And he told me he thought he had something for me. So I flew up and interviewed and things went well. And uh, I was there last year and I'll be back again. 
So one thing I like that you mentioned is you never know who's talking about you and your reputation. And I think that's important for anyone listening. It's about managing your personal brand, as I'll call it, and being aware that people are always watching you and forming an opinion, whether or not you're able to execute, whether you're bringing value, et cetera. So I think that's an important lesson that we need to be mindful of, that your reputation is important and people are always watching and you never know when they're talking about you and when opportunities can present themselves because of what people have seen. Yeah, absolutely. We're always on an interview. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. It's very different to be a player and to be a coach. So in your mind, what is the difference from being a great player and being a great coach? I think some of the same things that gave me success playing also give me success coaching. And that's my preparation and attention to detail and, and communication. Those traits that helped me be a successful player, I've carried them over into coaching and it's helped a lot. One of the things I always talk about is the importance of always getting better, of that continual improvement. So as you look at last year and you're going into this new year and the 2021 football season, what are some things that you learned last year and some things that you personally are going to be working on improving going into the next season? For me with the backs, it's just continuing to grow with O-line play. It all starts there, just continuing to learn things from the O-line's perspective and not just what we do from the running back position, just because they're all tied together. So that's something we've been doing in the, in the offseason and I'll continue to do just to be a better coach. Sure. And as a woman, there are so many people who will look up to you and what you've done and how you're paving the way for others to follow. What kind of advice would you give young women who are interested in a career in sports, whether it's coaching or commentating or some other element of the game? Uh, it's so important to perfect your craft and really put that work in and then create opportunities for yourself. So, you know, opportunities you know, are given to you. You have to earn them or find a way, essentially, as I did and many others have done. So put that work in. And when you get an opportunity, it's up to you to do it and knock it out the park. And Coach Rivera always told me when I first got to Carolina, always be ready. So many times I feel like people want opportunities, but then they get them and they're not quite ready for them. So, you know, I always say if you're offered your dream job tomorrow, are you prepared for it? And I think it's so important to be prepared for opportunities when they're not. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I'll hear from people when they see that I'm posting on different social media about different NFL events that I'm at or different things I'm doing. And they're like, wow, she's really lucky because she gets to do that. And I'm like, it's not luck. It's the preparation that has gone into being ready for those opportunities when they present themselves. So you're absolutely correct. You have to do that preparation and put in the work and be ready for when things come your way. Absolutely. So talk to us about a time that might have been difficult, an obstacle that you've had to overcome on this journey? And how did you do that? Really, the biggest obstacle for me was walking away from basketball. You know, I mentioned I was a head coach and we had won a national championship and things were going great. You know, I was uh, on a trajectory to probably make a move on the basketball side or continue to try to win another championship. And just to walk away from all that, I kind of went from the top of the totem pole to the bottom. So that was a decision I had to make, but I didn't want to live with that wonder of what would have happened if I, if I would have left. So I essentially made that leap and, uh, you know, it was a, probably the toughest decision I made, but, you know, I used my faith as kind of the guard realms and had support from my friends and family. And it obviously has worked out for me. Oh, that's great. Can we unpack that a little bit more? Can you talk to us about some of the things that you you wrestled with, maybe the, the pros and the cons? Obviously, you didn't want to live in a what if, which is great. I think we should always go after those things so that we live life with no regrets. But kind of talk to us more about what you thought through as you were making that decision. It was a lot to think about just because of the level I had reached. I had been coaching at that time for about 10 years or so and, you know, become a head coach and we'd won a championship and probably had a team that could win another championship. 
So everything was was good. I was super comfortable. So really getting out of my comfort zone was the biggest decision. And, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm all about doing it like I'm a doer. So I kind of had to give myself a pep talk to just go and not worry about what could happen or what could go wrong. So I just did it. It's great. I love it when people go for it and things tend to work out and things are going great for you. And so I love seeing where you're at and I know you're going to continue to Excel. So one question that I have for you is, have you felt pressure or frustration trying to be a woman making a name for herself in the world of football coaching? I haven't. You know, my journey, I've been very fortunate to always be around very supportive coaches and players. And, you know, all my stops along the way, I felt like I was around a bunch of guys who were, were allies to women in sport. And, you know, my personal journey, I've had a great experience. And I think that's a testament to the guys I've worked with and the players I've coached. And just the organizations I work for. Sure, that's fantastic. I had Coach Lori Locus on the show last season and I asked her a similar question. She's like, the guys just treat me like the guys. You know, like right. and they, they don't look at me, you know, as being a woman or treat me inferior. And so that's great that you've had that experience as well. Another thing I wanted to ask you about when you work with these athletes and you've cl- clearly worked with some great ones. You worked with uh, Christian McCaffrey back with the Panthers, who's uh, running back pro bowler. When you look at guys like Christian, what in your mind makes them elite? What is it about them? Well, it's a combination. You know, obviously they have a, a physical gift and a physical skill set that makes them special. But then I think the thing that separates a lot of those guys is their work ethic and their knowledge of the game. I know Christian in Carolina and, you know, even Adrian Peterson, we had him in D.C. They know every play. They know exactly what's supposed to happen. So essentially they're running off of what they know is going to happen versus what they see, if that makes sense. And being able to do that really made them special because they were hitting holes, hitting gaps right when things were developing because they knew and they trusted things were going to happen. And then their standard, you know, every single day they're wide open. It's not like, you know, I'm a star, so I'm going to take a day off. Their standard is so high and they're absolutely wide open every practice, no days off for them. And that standard and their physical gifts and traits just really make them special. Yeah, that preparation, that no day off, no excuses mentality, doesn't matter how good you are, you're still looking to improve and still putting the work in, which is very critical if you want to be at that elite level. So something that I like to ask a lot of guests on the show, I like to always get advice that they've been given from coaches or mentors, because I think that's important for listeners to hear different philosophies, different pieces of advice that could help them as they're looking to achieve big goals in their life. So Jennifer, what is the best piece of advice that you've been given by a coach? One of the things that I always think about and use, it's been very helpful this past year with COVID. Out in Arizona, Coach Rick Newhouse used to always tell us to be adaptable, adjustable, flexible, you know, in our, in our line of work and don't get comfortable with things always being some way because things can always change. And obviously this season with all of the testing and struggle with COVID, you know, being adaptable, adjustable, flexible, I think our organization kind of embraced that. We didn't talk about it, but we really did and everyone did their part and that we would have a successful season. Absolutely. Yes. I like that. We've talked on the show before about having to adapt and adjust quite a bit. And COVID is one of those uh, situations that has really made us realize how important it is to be able to do that on a very uh, quick timeline. So one other thing that I want to chat with you about is the Women's National Football Conference, the WNFC. We're about to kick off the season on May 1st with the uh, Washington Prodigy, which you mentioned 
earlier in the Atlanta Phoenix. And so talk to us about your involvement with the WNFC and we both sit on the board. What are you excited about the league? What are your thoughts there? The league has done some really good things. Obviously, the national sponsors that they've been able to secure and just also be, you know, an elite place for women to play football. I think they have the right mindset to grow and develop the league. And it's been exciting to see the growth of the organization and the league. So I'm expecting 2021 to be a really big year. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. So they kicked off their inaugural season back in 2019, 2020. We ended up canceling the season because of COVID. So I've been, it's been a long time coming to see the season two kick off. So if you haven't checked out the WNFC before, again, May 1st, six o'clock Eastern is the first game kickoff. Check the website out. I'll have it in the show notes as well. And you guys can learn more about the WNFC. They've got 20 different teams. They're doing such great things to really help women, not just players, but young ladies who are interested in in playing football at an early age. And and there's all kinds of initiatives that they're partnering with different corporations such as Adidas and others on. So go check them out. So Jennifer, what I want to do now is I want to take you to my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Sounds good. All right. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? A professional athlete. Okay. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? Oh, that's a good one. How about like Sanaa Lathan? You know, I think she's cool. I've always enjoyed her. She did a really good job in Love and Basketball. So yes. maybe she can do good at football. <laughs> yes, that was a good movie too. I, I really liked Love and Basketball from back in the day. I'm a basketball player too. So yeah, that was a classic from midnight, night, late 90s, I think, early yeah, 2000s. <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It's old, but it, it's a goodie. <laughs> it is, yes. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Oh my goodness. Uh, I really like to travel. That's kind of hard. I think one of the coolest places I've been was probably Australia, the Gold Coast. It was just super beautiful. You had beaches and mountains and everyone was so nice. So I really enjoyed it out there. Nice. How about what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Kind of basic. So I'll just say like strawberry. Okay. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? Probably people who are late and liars. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, yes. No liars. We don't like you. All right. The next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I'll just go with the book. I'm currently reading uh, Promised Land, Barack Obama's book. Uh, it's a thick one, so we're working through it one page at a time. <laughs> I've not read it yet, but I've heard good things about the book. Yeah, it's good. The last question is, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? So I'm going to start with Katherine Johnson. She was the uh, Black female mathematician that helped get NASA to the moon. Mm-hmm. She's always been a hero of mine. So I'm going to add her. I always loved Michael Jordan growing up. So he has a seat at the table. Yes. And uh, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. So I'm going to invite him too. Okay, cool. And lastly, where can people follow you and keep up with you on your journey? Yeah, I'm on social media. Instagram is jennifer.king5. Twitter is jenniferking 5 and. I'm on like LinkedIn and Facebook too. It's just my name. Okay. And we'll have those in the show notes too. So you can follow Jennifer. She continues to do great things in her career. Any last thoughts for our listeners? No, I mean, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you for having me. It's always fun to to chat a little bit about football and my journey. So thank you. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. 
To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.